Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're a female professional or entrepreneur who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Certified Life and Weight Coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. Hi, everybody, and a very warm welcome to episode number 15. Today, I want to talk to you about all things snacking. People who need to eat between meals for medical reasons, snacking is what I call an emotional event. And what I mean by that is that we snack because we want to, not because our body needs the fuel and nutrients that snacking provides. In fact, many typical snacks give our body very little nutritionally. We humans don't need to snack. Our bodies were not designed for snacking and we don't respond to it well. Our body is perfectly equipped to provide us with fuel between meals and that's even more true if we're overweight. So why do we snack? We humans developed a habit of snacking for industrial and and cultural reasons and it became a problem because our human brains and bodies have not evolved to efficiently manage eating snacks. As a society, we snack. Snacking is the cultural norm. In fact, for many years, the diet industry has been advocating six small meals are better than three larger meals. The idea that our bodies are not equipped to go from breakfast to lunch, lunch to dinner, or dinner to breakfast, is crazy when you consider that two-thirds of the UK population is overweight. Our bodies are designed to store excess fat when we eat a meal larger than our immediate energy and nutritional requirements. But our bodies are also designed to then use that fat to provide our body with energy between meals. And snacking prevents that from happening. We think that it's normal to have biscuits with our morning coffee, donuts in the afternoon in the office, and a pack of crisps or a few chocolates or a glass of wine when we watch television in the evening but it's only normal because our society or culture has made it so. When you go to a coffee shop, you're asked if you want a pastry with your coffee. When you watch TV, you're going to see lots of commercials encouraging you to snack. Snack foods are everywhere. When you buy your petrol, the work vending machine, little cakes on offer at the conference you are attending, you see snacks everywhere. Part of the reason we have so many snacks is because the food industry makes billions of dollars by convincing us snacks are necessary. That's not true. They don't need to convince us snacks are necessary because we love them. Well, our brain does, and I'll explain more about that in just a moment. The snack industry is a $171 billion industry, and it's predicted to grow 4% over the next three years. Another uncomfortable statistic is that 250 million children are forecast to be obese by 2030. So it's in our culture to snack. The question is, why? What is it about snacking that we have come to embrace in our society and enjoy as individuals? We have grown up with the idea that snacking is something that we do. As children, we're given snacks during break time at school and we do the same for our own children. We think that being hungry is a problem that we need to solve for by giving our bodies more fuel instead of allowing our bodies to use our own body fat as a source of fuel and energy and nourishment. And the problem perpetuates itself because our brains are designed to be rewarding for life-preserving activities. Food provides that reward 
in the form of serotonin, dopamine. All the cues around food create neural pathways that remind us how important it is to seek it again and again. And when you concentrate and refine that food in the way that many snack foods are concentrated and refined by the food industry because we love them and they'll sell more of them, you concentrate that response in the brain too. This leads your brain to believe that concentrated foods, which many foods are much more important to eat than they really are. Dopamine creates more desire for the food. As we eat it, the flood of dopamine downregulates the receptors perpetuating that desire. The more you do something and the more you practice doing something, the stronger the corresponding neural pathways become. And eventually, we get so good at completing that desire reward cycle that macking becomes an unconscious habit. Therefore, we often feel out of control and as if we're eating against our own will. Now, the first steps towards changing your snacking habit is having an awareness of what your current habits are. So what, when, and why do you currently snack? What are your thoughts about snacking in general? How do you feel when you think these thoughts? And what about specific snack foods? If chocolate's your thing, what are your thoughts about chocolate? If it's crisps, ask yourself why you love them. Imagine yourself a year from now at your ideal weight and eating the right way for you to fuel and nourish your body. What do your snacking habits look like? Having answered these questions for yourself, I encourage you to be curious about your snacking habits over the next few days. Practice noticing when you reach for a snack without thinking about it. Practice noticing what happens if you cut back on snacking. Practice noticing what happens when you see snack foods and you notice you have feelings of desire for them. Once you've spent time developing an awareness of your current snacking patterns, you might want to start thinking about whether you want to shift them and if so, how. Here are examples of thoughts and feelings that you may find useful to adopt as a part of considering what role you want snacking to play in your life for the long term. If you choose to think not snacking saves me so much money, you might choose to feel pleased. In fact, if you are motivated by saving money, it may be worth your while to consider how much money you spend on unnecessary snack foods. If you're more concerned about not having enough time to do everything you want in life, you may find it useful to think about how not snacking frees up time for you. It saves you from buying and eating snacks, but it also saves time spent on the mental energy of thinking about snacking and deciding what snack to have, especially if you've got a habit of deliberating over whether or not you should be getting a healthy or unhealthy snack. So not snacking creates opportunities to dine in. What do I mean by that? Well, when our body needs fuel for energy and we don't eat, we give it the opportunity to dine in. And what I mean by that is we give it an opportunity to eat, to digest our own body fat and use that as a fuel source. When I was losing weight, I found this thought useful. It helped me when I considered between choosing a snack that would make me feel better by maybe giving me one or two moments of pleasure versus thinking that if I didn't have that snack, would give my body the opportunity to digest an equivalent amount of my own body fat. Lastly, once you have experienced the benefits of being fat adapted, once you know how much better you feel physically and mentally, how much energy you have, you can intentionally think thoughts about that and remind yourself of what you are giving up 
by choosing to continue or adopt the habit of snacking. The issue of nighttime snacking is something that many of my clients often want help with. They may have a pattern of managing to eat according to their plan during the day, but then think that they can't resist snacks in the evening. If this is true for you, it's likely this is because the desire-reward cycle has been completed so many times, become natural and habitual, and something that's going on in your brain involuntarily. But fortunately, our brains are plastic. We can change these ingrained pathways by replacing them with new ones and interrupting the old ones by changing our actions and denying the unhealthy rewards. So even though you may think something's taking me over, know that that's not the case. The only thing that's happened is that you have programmed your brain unconsciously to desire those snacks automatically. You've trained your brain to desire something automatically, and so you're feeling that desire. And know that you're the one that trained your brain to do that. You're the one that practiced that desire enough that that's why you're feeling it. And know that if you're the one that created it, you're the one that can uncreate it if you don't want that desire to be there. Just because you've practiced it and you're so good at it that it doesn't mean you have to keep doing it, even if it feels intense. Now, the reason why it feels intense is because of the reward associated with it. One of the most powerful thoughts that many of us don't even acknowledge that we're having that can be the trigger, that can be the clue as to how we're creating our own desire is, I want that. It seems like such an innocent little thought, but even just a thought like that perpetuates that feeling of desire. It creates that desire within us and we don't even notice that we're thinking the thought. Why? Because we've programmed it into our brain and repeated it so many times that it's going on underneath our conscious awareness underneath the supervision of the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that makes you human. It's the part of your brain that's right in front that can plan something. Now, I just want to let you know that all of those thoughts that you have, those positive thoughts you have that are associated with wanting to snack, you also have thoughts that support those desires with your thoughts that are associated with not wanting to stop snacking, which you may not even be aware of. Maybe you think it's no fun to watch television without a little something, or you think it's not fair if I can't have a treat after working hard all day. When we think thoughts like these, we feel deprived. You will feel like you want something because you don't want to fight against the desire to eat it. If this resonates with you, if you have those types of feelings towards snacking and you feel the desire strong inside of you, then know that you are normal. You've not got some uncontrollable problem. It means your brain is healthy. It means that it's functioning. It means that you're a good learner. It means that you've associated a reward and that your brain is responding to that reward really well. There's nothing wrong with you. So how do you change snacking habits? The way to stop snacking is to learn how to break that desire reward cycle. You're going to want to weaken the associated neural pathways and replace them with new ones that serves you. This takes time. It takes a willingness to commit to learning. Think of this as a skill that you can learn like surfing or driving a car. It takes commitment, persistence, patience, and repetition. Here are some of the specific things that you can do. Start with gaining awareness of your current thought patterns around snacking. Question them and shift them to thoughts that will serve you better. For example, if you discover that one of your thoughts 
is I deserve a treat, you might want to shift it to yes, I deserve a treat, but putting refined sugar, fat, salt in my body is not a treat. You need to practice upgrading your thoughts every day. You also need to practice allowing the associated feelings. You will have the feeling of desire for the snack. First, be aware of it, then name it, then breathe into it and experience how desire feels in your body. Get good at allowing yourself to feel desire without responding to it. If you practice this enough, you will learn how to process the feeling of desire so that it dissipates. This is different to resisting the feeling of desire, which will only give the feeling more power. It's also likely that an evening snacking habit is about avoiding other feelings. Maybe you snack for comfort or to alleviate stress and anxiety. When you notice these negative emotions that you numb by snacking, it's a sign that there is an opportunity to learn how to allow and process these feelings too. Again, identify the feeling, understand why you're feeling it, i.e. what's the thought, describe the feeling in your body and breathe into it as you allow it to be there. When I'm working with my clients in my One Life Academy and the Lose Weight Live Life Mastermind, I encourage them to work at reducing the number of snacks that they have only once they've become fat adapted. Whilst they're becoming fat adapted, the focus is on replacing snacks high in refined sugars and carbohydrates with healthier, lower sugar, lower refined carbohydrate alternatives, such as whole fruit with some natural yogurt or cheese or nuts. In fact, being able to go comfortably between meals without feeling physical hunger is one of the signs that you are fat adapted. So if you are fat adapted and still snacking, you'll know that you want to focus on what's going on for you emotionally. So let's just recap what I talked about here. Snacking is not necessary. Before giving up snacking, switch to healthier alternatives and allow your body to get good at using its own source, your body fat, by cutting back or cutting out refined sugars and carbohydrates. Once you are fat adapted, reduce the number of snacks slowly rather than eliminate them completely. You will want to have a snack plan to help you with this. Observe thoughts and feelings that come up for you around snacking. Notice default beliefs and thought patterns and be curious about how you might want to shift them to make not snacking easier for you. And that's what I have for you today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honored to be your coach. There are two ways that you can work with me. You can join my monthly membership program, My One Life Academy, that gives you self-paced learning, supported by twice-weekly live calls and a whole lot more. Or you can join the waiting list for my next six-month Lose Weight, Live Life group coaching mastermind intensive. Go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching to find out all the details.